to that 80s show, Dory. I am so excited about this week's theme. If if our listeners could have seen the messages of my excitement yesterday. I'm so glad you get it. She's been trying to get it out of me for ages, saying, let's do songs, 80 songs, with the same name. Oh, my God. There are... A, a, there are so many 80s songs, like huge 80s songs. You actually won't realize how many 80s hits that were huge, huge songs actually share the same name. It's not like they were obscure songs, like yeah. one big hit. And we're not talking about cover versions. These are completely different songs that just happen to have the same title. And Guilty Guilty, um, even though she didn't do cover versions, yeah. Madonna had she comes up so many times having a song with the same name as someone else's song or someone else named their song after her song. Yeah, who came before her. So she's the one who's copying. Yeah. So so, so what we're going to do today is we're actually going to play sort of like a weird type of double play where we'll play both songs um, with with the same name. Uh, what do we call them? Songonyms. Is that, is that what we call them? Songonyms. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant let's totally call that the, that's the name of the show songonyms so now Dory listen something that got us very excited and a lot of people yes. very excited last week is David Hasselhoff for whatever yes. reason is auctioning off all his memorabilia like all of it apparently it's yeah. going to his favorite charities who knows what the hell's going on no questions are being considered the auction happens tomorrow. It goes live tomorrow, but you can start bidding on your favorite items. And Dory and I have three items that if we had infinity money, actually if we had any money, we, we would be trying. Because <laughs> yes, any money because would be actually good. some of this stuff's quite cheap. But there are three items Dory and I have our eyes on. Okay, and the, the, we'll be watching with interest how much these go for. So my favorite item is, believe it or not, this is my favorite item. It is called... David Hasselhoff, early sexy photo. Very young. You like it just because oh of what God. it's called, early sexy photo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it also it is very sexy. <laughs> yeah. If you like the hairiest chest on and earth, yes. Teeny nipples. <laughs> teeny, teeny little nipples does David Hasselhoff have. Um, you can buy this photo. Why he kept a photo <laughs> of, like this of himself, I think it's... Oh, I don't think we should go down this rabbit hole of why when we look at these objects. <laughs> so this early sexy photo, currently as it stands, it may the prices may go up tomorrow. Currently yours for seventy dollars. Dude, that's like a thousand rand. Worth it. It is very sexy. Okay. <laughs> now for Dory's favorite item. Okay, an an American yeah. Idol. Baywatch Speedo, even though he never wore a Speedo. Yes, I know. And even though it says American Idol, it, on the actual Speedo it says Australian Idol. So don't get confused. Very strange. <laughs> its starting price is $400. Highest bid currently is $250. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how that works. No one wants yeah. his ball sweat. Yeah, clearly. Okay. The star of the show is David Hasselhoff's own 100% functioning kit. Kit, the car, kit. It works, it drives, it's his. But you, uh, no, it's not 100% functioning because it definitely doesn't think and converse with you. Well, Dory, you're going to tell me that in the year of Siri and AI that we are not able to have a fully functioning talking kit. I just don't believe it. Anyway, you can buy it. This is David Hasselhoff's. They gave this one to him. Okay, I can't believe it's actually so relatively cheap. 
it's expected to only go for $300,000. This is his kit. $300,000. There are only seven bids, of which the highest is half a million US dollars. But, I mean, think about it. As cool as it is, it's old. It's kit. It's kit. I know. But, okay, (laughs) one thing we can agree. The weirdest (laughs) item on David Hasselhoff's coffin auction dying wish list okay why why is he doing it why is he doing it stop with the why why. okay (laughs) it is from david hasselhoff appeared in the movie in the spongebob movie as a super fast human porpoise swimmer it was weird it was a weird moment in a weird movie okay it wasn't cgi it was an actual giant boat sized rubber replica of david hasselhoff this is the big ticket. This is expected to be the most expensive item on auction, okay? It could sell for $1.5 million, right? That is even more money than... Than kids. <laughs> than more than kids. Don't. That's a shitload more than kids, $1.5 million, right? It's only the current highest bid is $100,000. I expect that to change. But we will be watching this. We will report back next week. The auction happens tomorrow. David Hasselhoff's fire sale. Why is he doing it? We don't know. Who will buy that giant David Hasselhoff sex doll and what will they do with it? That we do want to know. I want I want to know. A documentary, <laughs> a podcast series on what I did with my David Hasselhoff sex doll. <laughs> listen. I listen to that all day. <laughs> This is That 80s Show playing the second song called me, Songonyms Today. Mm -hmm. Two different songs with the same name, hits from the 80s. Dory, hits from the 80s, what is your movie this week? Oh, I don't know if we'd call it a hit, Paolo. (laughs) Let's, uh, okay, we're going very obscure, we're going very arty, we're going very dark this week. Um, I have done a movie by the same writer and director in the past. Um, The the writer-director is David Cronenberg. And we did The Fly. Remember The Fly? We spoke about a while back on the show. This is one of his earlier films. It's weird. It's gory. It's got all those things. I can't call this a recommendation. If you are up for, and I mean, I think if you're up for it, you've probably already seen it because it is quite a famous movie called Scanners. I would like to scan all of you in this room one at a time. There are four billion people on Earth. 237 are scanners. They'll control your mind, conquer your will, manipulate your body like a toy. Self-destruct, five seconds. The pain begins. In your flesh. In your brain. Four seconds. You feel its power. Three seconds. The pressure, the pounding, the terror. Two seconds. You can't breathe. It chokes you. It destroys you. One second. You begin to self-destruct. Experience the terrifying power of scanners. You pray it will end, and it will. Scanners, their thoughts can kill. The line in the trailer that says, you're praying that it'll end. Um, I did feel a bit like that while watching this movie. (laughs) Because... It's, it, it's not a bad, I mean, it's very watchable. Don't get me wrong. First of all, Michael Ironside, before he lost all his hair, is quite a dish. So, you know, there's some out candy and all that. The main guy was terrible. 
It's like, oh my God, who is this guy? He's the worst. And then I looked him up and he really, he did like 11 films in his career, all weird, obscure stuff. He, he was a non-actor. I don't know why they made him the lead. Um, anyway, it, so David Cronenberg is Canadian and I don't know. So there's like a Canadian feel to it. It's slow. It is very slow paced. This is, <laughs> it's definitely the horror schlock genre. So there's like a little bit of gore. And I mean, it's the special effects, like the gore special effects are, are funny more than scary. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So like almost that very B grade kind of just over the top, very over the top where it's like, you know that. I mean, that's not blood. That doesn't look like blood. It's like that kind of thing. But there's this one scene where this guy's head literally explodes. Now, this movie was made in 1981, and that special effect was very well done for 1981. I was impressed, I have to tell you. But yeah, it's it's watchable. If, Like I say, if you're into B-grade schlock horror and you haven't yet seen this movie, definitely give it a watch. Uh, but there's some, oh, you know, the, the, the plot is not great. There's some real like, inconsistencies in the storyline. At one stage, somebody says, you can't have two scanners in the same room because they'll go crazy kind of thing they're going to be trying to scan each other and then like basically they'll explode and then throughout the movie there there's more than two scanners in the same room at one point there were like 10 scanners in the same room and nothing happened everyone was fine i was like wow guys consistency in your plot idea here you know it's like so that yeah look i mean i'm gonna give i'm gonna forgive it it was 1981 it was one of his earlier films so so the uh, effects for me um watching that trailer i've not i don't know of scanners yeah. Um, is very much in the mold of the Garbage Pail Kids movie. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I think that's it's slightly more point. sophisticated. Can I, can we go with slightly more sophisticated? <laughs> Welcome to that eighty show, Dory Action Action Time. Palu's movie Action Time, guys. Fuck Action, guys. Action. Okay, Dory. Yeah. My movie's an action movie. Now, listen here. If you were into high-stakes fighter pilot action in the 80s, okay, yeah. if you were into death-defying stunts, bravado, machismo, men bending machines at Mach 1 G4 speed, okay? Okay. There was only one movie for you. Iron Eagle. Oh, God damn it. I got a whole thing here. I'm going to finish it, right? <laughs> I'm going to finish it. Go ahead. <laughs> if you wanted a fresh-faced newcomer and an Academy Award winner as pilots, there was only one movie for you. If you wanted an iconic soundtrack with some of the biggest names of the 80s, there was only one movie for you. And yes, Dory, I wrote that. I wrote that this morning. But the movie is Iron Eagle, not Top Gun. I'll be honest with you. The only reason I even would have guessed Iron Eagle is because of Cobra Kai. I, I I didn't remember I didn't remember Iron Eagle. That's exactly how I came to it because in Cobra Kai, Johnny Lawrence gets the internet. First thing he googles, like we all did, what was my favorite movie in the eighties? And his was Iron Eagle. And uh, I was like, oh my yeah. god, that is the movie. I'm definitely got to find time to watch that and review it. The mind boggles why if you're in production of a movie because they seem to be in production Iron Eagle and Top Gun at the same time. Do you just not go, oh guys? We got Louis Gossett Jr. Okay, they got some punk-ass kid, Tom Cruise. What's he been in? He was just walking around in his pants the last time we saw him, in his underpants. We can take this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did they really think they were going to take on Top Gun? Well, they, well, they did. did. And listen, we're still talking about Iron Eagle. So the story goes is that there is a, a, a kid. 
He is a bit of a scamp raised on military bases. His father is a bit of a hero in the Air Force, and he gets shot down over a Middle East country. And because of diplomatic ties, some nonsense, which makes no sense why, but the U.S. military (laughs) cannot go in and rescue him. And he's about to be assassinated. And the son partners up with Louis Gossett Jr. and says, we're going black ops. We're going to release. We're going to go and rescue your father. And hilarity. Not really. No hilarity. No, a, hilarity, a really? shitload of <laughs> hilarity actually ensues in this movie. <laughs> I don't remember it. I remember enjoying it when I watched it, like when I was much younger. But I don't oh my remember God, it. It is so enjoyable. It is so cheesy. There is my favorite scene still to this day is where they race a motorbike and a little airplane through like Devil's Gulch or some shit like that. And one is in the air and one's on the motorbike and they have to race each other because obviously it's more dangerous in the plane. Oh, it is hilarious. Yeah. The the explanation beforehand of that scene of what they're doing and why they're doing it is like, okay, guys, we, we get it. We don't need it. It's sort of like at one point they actually turn to the camera like, do you get it? Do you understand? Do you understand why this is crucial? But Dory, the soundtrack of Iron Eagle, which is quite um, iconic, featured uh, Queen contributed a song to the soundtrack, whether they knew or not, I don't know. I assume okay. they paid. Uh, Queen was on the soundtrack, uh-huh. and this is how close it was to Top Gun. <laughs> okay, so they had a big, a big soundtrack. Uh, King Cobra did a really, really cheesy, metal-ish, new glam rock type song for it. Katrina and the Waves was on the soundtrack, but I want you. To, oh, nice! Very nice. I want you to do mm-hmm. something though. Obviously, the iconic song from uh, Top Gun is "Berlin, Take My Breath Away." I want you specifically to listen to a song. I, I've I've included the link for you. I want you to play the song. I'm going to play this. It is a band called okay. Urgent, and the song is Love Can Make You Cry. It is very Berlinish. Let's take a listen. That is the cheesiest song I've ever heard. <laughs> that is really horrible. I mean, I don't like Berlin that much, but that's way worse. Uh, it it is it is what it is, okay. But uh, there were much better songs right. in Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle is a good movie. Give it a watch. This is that eighty show playing songonyms. I like that, Dory. Where can I submit such a name? Songonyms. Hmm. I want recognition for it. Um, Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. I want it. It's probably there, and it probably means like a put a, a bum thing because everything on Urban Dictionary means a bum thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm about to look it up, right? <laughs> okay, there is something called Songonyms by Unsong on Mixcloud. Oh, no. So Songonyms on Urban Dictionary is up for grabs. So I'm going to put it in there. Two songs, specifically 80 songs that are nothing alike except for the name and traditionally can also be used as another word for when you insert an 80s cassette tape in your bum. So that'll be my, <laughs> that'll be my contribution. <laughs> No, just no, don't do it. Don't do it. We've just zoomed out of Wham Corner there. And Dory, uh, a year ago I read Andrew Ridgely's book, but you've only recently got round to it. Recently I went on holiday and I took the book with me and I read half of it in like one day. (laughs) Let's be honest, it's not a hard read. The words are very, not big words because... 
It's a very large, which is fantastic <laughs> for the half-blind of us um, older people. And there's lots of pictures, and the pictures are great. And it's actually an incredibly well-written and enjoyable book. Like he's done it really, really well. And and as we've um, we've as we've said on our Facebook page about Andrew Ridgely, he he's very he speaks posh. You know, he speaks in a very posh way. So you can kind of hear it in the writing as well that he's written. He's it's it's well written, and um, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. It's it's making me a little bit sad because it is. It's a bit sad, and I was like. You know, like, especially when, so it starts out where he talks about, like, when they were at school together and they met and became friends and stuff like that. And I knew, I knew that George was this chubby, pimply, not very attractive, very insecure teenager. Andrew was the outgoing one. Andrew was the loudmouth, yeah. Andrew was the player, the one who was getting all the girls. And, I mean, I don't think that stopped. I think Andrew continued to get all the girls. There was a couple of things that surprised me. I did not know that Andrew and Shirley dated. Right. Right. I did not know that. Yeah. So they dated. They even lived together for a little while, and then, like, when that kind of fizzled out because Andrew screwed it up, um, it was cool that they managed to remain friends and that she actually managed to remain a part of the band. So that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm like really, really into it now, and I promise I will not take another year to finish the second half of it, and uh, then we can talk. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is when we were looking at those wonderful wham. Maxwell cassette tape commercials was it last week um where that they did in japan there was a scene where andrew does like a high kick type thing like he does a move and you were like you made a comment about that move and they talk about they talk about him perfecting that move in his bedroom in 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 the book he talks about it in the book when they were like getting wham together and they 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 started with a lot of dancing. There was a lot of dancing involved with Wham. It wasn't just about singing. They were doing dance moves together. They would like get on a stage and they'd like, you know, have this whole choreographed thing. And so he was always working on his dance moves and he worked on that move specifically. So of course he needed to show it off in the Japanese commercial, dude. Of course. So if you missed that last week, we stumbled upon a a lot of stars, 80s and 90s, would do commercials in Japan for a lot of money that never flighted in the rest of the world because there was no internet so no one ever knew. But a lot of those things have surfaced, and we found the most amazing Maxwell cassette tapes were like super bass boost abilities, and Wham! were the front men of this uh, campaign. Uh, interestingly, the change they sang, there were two versions. One is uh, Freedom, and w- the other one was Bad Boys, and uh, they changed the lyrics, <laughs> Just very weird. The word they certainly did. The word fish face was in them. Well, the, the worst thing is now when I sing fish face. I mean, when, sorry, when I sing freedom in my brain, that that's the lyric that comes up now. I know. <laughs> so, and and it ends off. One of the commercials ends off with Andrew doing the most amazing high jump kick I've ever seen in my life. And so it was actually foretold in George and Me, the Wham story. Amazing. What what I loved about the book, though, is that, um, I mean, Andrew writes really well, and I'm sure he had someone helping him write, but I mean, you know, you sort of like see him in appearances and you read things that he does, and okay, he does write very well. He was very bright. Um, lazy, but he was yeah. very bright. And uh, Oh, my God, so lazy. Can we talk about the laziness? <laughs> I, like, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, the only reason that the, that Wham ever existed is because he was too lazy to go to school and he didn't want to do anything else with his life. 
And he was like, I need to become a famous musician because that's what I like to do. I like to write songs and sing songs and dance around in my room. And that's all I want to do with my life. I'm, I'm not interested in school. I'm not interested in learning a trade. He and but boy, did it pay off for him, hey? But but even that laziness is that I mean, they wrapped up wham in the mid 20s, and mid 20s is yeah. generous, and he didn't do a goddamn single thing since then. <laughs> he, he did remember I played you those terrible, I played you that one, those few terrible songs that he did try to release, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he was just he was just lazy, but he talks like a cartoon owl, so I mean, who can who can hate him? Have you have you got to the part where they tell the story about the shooting of the of the last Christmas video? No, not yet. I'm halfway, but I'm, I'm not there yet. As if last Christmas couldn't get better, he tells the story. I think it's a whole chapter on its own. Okay, which I mean, by this book is like six words spread over like thirty-seven <laughs> pages. Okay, <laughs> it is it's not that bad. Don't listen. It's not that bad. If yeah. I could read it quickly, it's 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 not too far off. It is. The story of the last Christmas video and how all the friends, just all the extras were their friends and some of the extras that weren't their friends became their friends and how many scenes in that video, they're actually, everyone is plastered. And you then watch the video again knowing that everybody is plastered through all those scenes. It just makes so much sense. That is my absolute highlights of the book. Now, Dari, before we wrap up the show, deep fakes. Deep fakes are big. Yes. You know, everyone's talking about deep fakes. And uh, the, the yeah. 80s and iconic uh, actors and scenes from the 80s haven't escaped deep fakes. Okay. So everyone's talking about deep fakes. Uh, if you don't know what deep fakes is, it's when people use computer technology to implant somebody's face or transplant somebody's face onto someone else's face. And we've seen like iconic movie scenes done by different actors. What if Sean Connery didn't, what, didn't play James Bond and Burt Reynolds did? And there's a lot of those. Dory, I found one that I think you're going to like. Click on that yeah. first link. We're going to play it. Let the video play in the background. First one. But I want you to tell everyone what you're seeing. <gasps> You've recalled me. Have I? You recalled me. Have I? <laughs> Look closely. <laughs> <laughs> what have you seen? Oh, my God. That is so well done. That is amazing. So it's 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 never going to give you up by Rick Astley. I thought I'd been Rickrolled. But when you see his face, it's David Bowie's face. But, but it's kind of like if David Bowie and Rick Astley had had a baby. Because it doesn't look entirely like either of them, but a little bit like both of them. In some scenes, it looks more like Bowie. That's so weird. It's, it, How do they do this? Like, that is, like, really well done. There are some that are so shoddily done. They look terrible. But that one is so well done. We'll post the video up on the That 80 Show Facebook page, That 80 Show SA Facebook page. It is, it is so well <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing the first, the first comment on the YouTube video, the first comment. We could be Rickrolled just for one day. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I cannot say anything funnier than that. I think it's time to wrap it up with that comment. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, we, re- we really appreciate it. This has been That 80 Show playing Songonyms, Dory songonyms when you put yeah. a cassette tape in your bum hole and uh, earlier on I think <laughs> I think it's so good we should do it again next week because there's so many songs we haven't yet played there are so many all the songs chosen today were Dory's and then next week I've chosen a whole list I've tried my hardest to find Italo Disco and uh, 80s hip hop songs with the same names let's see how well I do so earlier on we played Who's That Girl by Eurythmics and we're going to close up with Naughty Song Name Stealing Madonna 
also who's that girl. Um, my favorite who's that girl. I prefer this one. This is this is the one I'm into. Uh, it's been a fun week. Everything we spoke about is on that 80 show essay on Facebook. Gather up some money and take part in David Hasselhoff's auction. I mean, what do you have to lose? What you, you what all you, your money? <laughs> you could get a sexy photo. <laughs> been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Bye. Bye.